are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. I just love God so much. I just want to thank you, everybody that I pray for. I just feel like I benefit from that. Right? Even though we're coming up here and we're, you know, we're saying, God, I I just need this in my heart and I need this in my life. But there's things I receive I'm not even expecting, you know? God always has that extra. That's what I love about God, right? There's never lack. There's always abundantly above anything you could ask or think. Always. Even when you're in your darkest hour, God always has abundantly above anything you could ask or think. But so often in our darkest hour, we don't ask. And a lot of times we don't think. I want to talk to you about something tonight. God wants to talk to you, but I want to talk to you. (laughs) And you notice, I brought the Mac tonight. (laughs) Just because my PC is in in the room in shock. The DVD player's going, and it's been doing that ever since last night, so I don't know what that means, but I'm sure it's something in cyber code. I've been so wounded, I'll never work again. I want to talk to you tonight about the provision of prayer that's already in place. As Christians, you don't go looking for prayer. You've already been prayed through. But you still have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is where you say, yay. Right? So we feel like, if I just pray more, then God will do more. Oh, wow. On the cross? I don't see the cross having any unfinished business attached to it. God's not asking us to do more so we can receive more. God's asking Him, what must I do in John 6 that says to do the works of God? Believe upon the One whom He sent, right? Right? It's about believing. You're not going to manipulate God through prayer. You're not going to manipulate God through good acts. God can't be manipulated. He can't. So, I want to just turn, turn to John 17... And we're going to be reading tonight from Luke 22 in several different places, but John 17. Verse 
Here's what Jesus says. In 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. We're carriers of a message. And it's a message that compels. It's a message that transforms. It's a message that convicts. It's a message that releases the kingdom of heaven. We're carriers of a message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That's a big statement. Perfect love. Jesus only did what He saw His Father doing. Perfect love. How many would like to experience that perfect love? It's not through external gratification. It's through internal revelation. I want to say it again. It's not through external gratification. It's through internal, intrinsic revelation. The revealing of who God is. Because you can confess who God is. You can do what Peter is. Peter, who do you say I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well done, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father who's in heaven. So you have a revelation of who Jesus is coming from the Father, but that's not enough. You can't just have a revelation. You have to have a relationship. So many of us run around with that revelation. We come and we hang out in the church, we hang out around the church, and we have that revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But we don't have the impartation of the revelation. You with me? See, there's an impartation of the revelation that transforms the denomination, right? And I don't mean denomination as a church. I'm talking about what's dominant in your mindset. I'm talking about what it is that uh, brings you and focuses you and you put your eyesight on and you look at and you say what the eye sees, the heart naturally is going to follow that. But Jesus Christ is saying it's going to take more than revelation. It's going to take impartation. 
Paul was a powerful church father, was he not? But Paul knew very well that it was going to take impartation to get them to the place where they would live by more than just revelation. Church, we've had a lot of prophetic words. We've had a lot of impartation. But it hasn't led to intimacy. And without intimacy, you can't see God. One day I was sitting in my living room, and man, God had called me to be a prophet. Very successful, lots of healings, a lot of things. And the Lord said, wow, you just really nailed that. I said, yeah, thanks. Ooh, I'm bad. Bad to the bone. Devil don't want to mess with me. You know what God said to me? One problem. I haven't called you to be a hammer. Because when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And that was my focus. God, you've called me to tear down strongholds. I've learned this. That when it comes to deliverance, love will send legion flying quicker and fleeing quicker than speaking in tongues. Perfect love in you can cast anything out. Right? You with me? So I'm sitting in, my, in the living room and God just takes it a little, light, a little farther. And he says, do you know why Elisha needed a double portion of the anointing? Yeah, how many know when God asks you questions? Because <laughs> God knows me. I go, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I know. Because I'm so well connected. Right? God said, because Elijah was a prophet of judgment. And that's what you've become. And when you judge people, there's no connection. There's no responsibility. You just fire off the word, and I scream out to you, incoming! And you're like, oh... right but God said there's a problem I haven't called you to be a prophet of judgment I've called you to be a prophet of love that's why Elisha needed a double portion of the anointing because it takes twice as much of the anointing to love people than it does to judge them And at first, I wasn't very good at it. I wasn't very comfortable with it, right? Because I was kind of raw and edgy. Anybody got a heart like that? It's kind of... Cross me, and you'll be picking up something. It may look like a cross. It might be a cross eye for me. And so, the Lord is saying, "You're you're carrying... 
you're carrying the very relationship that I had with my father from the beginning. And now not only that, but you're also carrying the relationship that I want to have with you. You're, you've got two, two levels of intimacy that I have for you. You've got the relationship, the perfect relationship, the wholeness with the Father, and you've also got the relationship with me. And we walk around all the time, and we're going, but this happened in my life, and that happened in my life. And what I'm recognizing, if I can get people to understand what he's prepared for us right now, it's not just for that day there's going to be a wedding. There is, and that's awesome, right? And I'm excited about that. And that'd be a good closing to this sermon tonight. Pew! We're all out of here. I'd have a little trouble with that, though, because uh, my, my daughter's going to have a grandbaby in uh, January. God, can you hold that off a little bit? I'm worth it, aren't I? Right? So what else? The Lord says, in Micah 7, 19, everybody turn there with me just for a minute. Sorry if we go over just a couple scriptures. He's talking about prayer and praise, and he says this. Who is a God like you? who pardons sins and forgives transgression of the remnant of his inheritance, you do not stay angry forever, but delight, God delights to show mercy. The presence of God, the nature of God that triumphs over judgment. Everybody say nature of God. That triumphs over judgment. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. That sounds pretty cool to me. And then Psalm 103.12 says that he's cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. Well, I don't know about you if you know anything about geography. The east and the west, they don't meet. And then he says this in Malachi 3.16. He tops it all off with this. He says, when there's an impartation, right? When there's an intimacy with him, you're getting extra credit. Everybody say extra credit. Because every time you think about the Lord and every time you talk about him, God's writing it down in his book of remembrance. How many like that? So you're getting extra credit all the time. When I say, hey, word, hey, Jesus is awesome, God's going, yeah, there it is, there it is, right there. How many need to think about God more? Talk about God more, amen? So let's get into our text. In Luke 22, just turn there. And I told you about, you know, Matthew 16. So you, here you have Peter, the rock. 
and you have a, who do people say I am? Well, there's this, this, a prophet, good man, teacher. Who do you say I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? A revelation, but not a relationship. So in Luke 22, if you'll turn there with me, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, verse 31, Behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may what? Sift you. Everybody say sift. Sift you as wheat. And then here's what he says. But I, everybody say I, have prayed for you that your faith, which is a gift from me that I gave you, will not fail. I have set you up for success. I have set you up to overcome. I have made you more than a conqueror, and you're not even aware of it. You've got some issues. Everybody say issues. How many have some issues? (laughs) We all do. Come on. I have issues. How many have issues? I can do this. I do. I'm aware of them. I can be offended. I know I'm not talking to anybody in here, but I can be offended. I can take things personal. Anybody ever do that? I can distort what people say to me. Anybody else? Because I have some negative filters that God's working on. (laughs) That's what he's been working on all this week, huh? How many have some negative filters? But he said, I have prayed for you that your faith will fail not. And when you are re-strengthened or when you're converted, then do what? Strengthen your brethren. But you're not ready. You think you are. You have all the signs. You had that amazing revelation. Could you just imagine him? I'm going to be sitting right next to him on the throne. Well, and how do you think that felt? That felt really good when you guys clapped for me. Can you imagine, Peter? Well done, Simon Barjona. Because you've gotten into the supernatural. Because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. Peter, (laughs) the rock, nothing can touch me. And the devil's going, that is what I love to hear. I love to hear it when people say nothing can touch me. I love it when their pride rises to the surface. Because all I have to do is just seduce a little bit. All I have to do is just manipulate a little bit. All I have to do is create a little hunger. And I can get you to move in the lust of the eye, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. And once I do that, 
Pride comes before what? Don't think the devil doesn't know that. Don't think he doesn't know that. He does. Amen? And then he says this. Lord, you don't know me. You don't know who I am. You don't, you don't, you, Lord, have you forgot? I'm the one that said thou art the Christ. Have you forgot that? I'm the anointed one. Have you forgot that? I'm the one that received the revelation from your father. Have you forgot that? Surely, Lord, you don't know me. And he says this. I am ready to go with you both into prison and to death. That is what is called good intentions. <laughs> right? And we talked about that a little bit. That's what's called good intentions. Lord, I'm, I'm going with you. I'm tough. I'm bad, right? Lord, you have no idea who I am. Isn't that us? How many of us say, God, you don't know me? And God goes, really? <laughs> Film at 11. <laughs> I know you. And here's what he says. I'm ready to go with you both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before you have done what? How many times? What's the number of confirmation? Peter, you are going to be perfect in denying me. You are going to completely deny me. What did Jesus see in Peter that was lacking? Oh, now you're asking questions. Let me tell you what he was missing. Secure identity. Secure identity. His identity was in external things. His identity was not in Christ. His identity was in crisis. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell him. Peter, if you don't get your character in place, if you don't get your identity in place, you're not going to be able to carry out my will for your life. Are you with me? So what was he saying? Secure identity is about who a person is not what he does or what his results are. When someone's identity is tied to his outcomes, he or she does not exist in a certain way. We don't really have being. We have doing. They are what happens. So if things are not going well, they're not well. If things are going well, they're well. If they have bad outcomes, they're bad. How many realize that? Example, 
When athletes hit a slump, one of the ways performance coaches get them out of it is to help them separate themselves from the results. Say that with me. Separate myself from the results. Separate myself from the behavior. So what they do is, they're in a catastrophe. And they de-catastrophize them. It's a big word, right? Almost sounded kind of dirty. So what they say to them, just get in the box, swing away, and don't worry about the ball goes. Don't worry about the outcome. Because you can't let this damage your self-image. How many times do we let failures in our lives, do we let things that go wrong in our lives damage our self-image? And that's what God's saying to Peter. You don't have a secure identity. And as I do counseling, I see so many Christians that do not have a secure identity. They walk around every day doing this. Hi, tell me who I am. I will be anybody you need me to be because I just want to be your friend. Tell me who I am. So we're getting our identity all day long. Pastor Lance, I can lead the song service tonight. Because Pastor Lance, if you don't let me lead the song service tonight, I am no one. (laughs) And this lack of secure identity has brought us into codependency. In other words, we cooperate and we co-partner with people who have dependence issues. Pastor Hayward, I love you. Can I be your best friend? Can you loan me 20? (laughs) (laughs) Because we have no identity. But Jesus Christ said, in Him, Acts 17, 28, in Him, everybody say in. We live and move and have our being. Not in what we do. Not in where we're successful. And you know, men are incredible at this. When we get together for men's ministry stuff, the first thing we say is, Hi, I'm Daniel. What do you do for a living? I'm a recovering serial killer. I'm doing better now because I only do it on the weekends. I'm learning how to rest the the, the other days. (laughs) Careful who you shake hands with. (laughs) So Peter says to Jesus, You don't know me, you're mistaken. 
And Jesus says, that's definitely one thing I'm not. Uh, I'm never mistaken. I'm mistaken sometimes, but I'm never mistaken. So, he's got an opportunity. Say opportunity. He's got an opportunity to let God transform him so that he can fulfill the plan of God for his life. But his, how he wants to be seen is more important than who God has called him to be. I want to say it again. How he wants to be seen by others is more important than who God has called him to be. So he puts on this act. He, he props up this image. Everybody say image. So he creates his own image. And he has to prop it up. And here's what we get in the church. We create these images because we don't have secure identity, right? So we prop up this, right? And somebody comes into the church visiting, right? And, you, and you're the first person they see, right? And, and it, it is kind of like this. The first presentation is not Jesus. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like this. Oh, hi, have you been coming here long? You don't belong here. <laughs> or if you sit in their seat, <whistles> I remember one time in our church, somebody came up to me and said, Pastor, they're sitting in my seat. And I said, turn around. There's no one sitting in your seat. <laughs> Physically, I said, turn around. There's no one sitting here. Pastor, my seat, where I sit, I sit there all the time. And so I went and I had my suit on. I climbed underneath the seat, went down the whole roll underneath it, came back out and I said, I don't see your name anywhere. <laughs> well, I'll sit somewhere else. Okay. All right, sit somewhere else. We're so possessive. Instead of being open, open, God. Oh, come on. Come on, God. Help me not to hang on to anything. Help me not to hold on to anything. God, teach me to, to walk through life to where you can be the one who pours into me. You can be the one who removes from me. You can refine me every single day of life, God. Even while I'm sleeping, God, I want to be like this, God, so that you can renew my mind, so you can heal my heart, so you can restore my identity. How many want that to happen? Amen? Amen? So what did Jesus do? Number one, He empathized with Him. Empathy comes from the Greek word meaning in and feeling. It is as if you're in the feeling of another. And unity forms around mutual care based in empathy. 
Jesus empathized with him because he cared for him. He didn't have sympathy for him. He didn't feel sorry for him. He wanted to create unity, not division. He wants relationship. So Jesus empathized with Peter when he was saying that. He wasn't saying, Peter, you are dead wrong. You are so dead wrong. You are so stupid. You're depriving somebody right now. You are so dumb. Give the brain back. No. Jesus is just super calm. And that's the way he is with us. Daniel, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. Thank you, Lord. And this is what I love about him. He brought the news of something difficult coming. But he released the anointing to go through the difficult thing that was coming. I could feel that one there. That one just kind of went right around and come right up my back. Woo! Okay. He said, this is what's about to happen. But what's about to happen won't happen without me releasing the anointing to carry you through what's about to happen. Peter, I've prayed you through. What's your name? Ingrid. Ingrid? I've prayed you through already. God, where are you? Way ahead of you. Right? Come on. Because we're in we're in Kronos time. God's in Kairos. So we look at it. God, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. And God goes, why are you doing that? Why are you running out? Why? Why are you, why are you running out? I do abundantly above anything you can ask or think. Why are you running out? How do you run out when God says you'll run over? How? I want to ask you that again. How do you run out when God says you'll run over? Right? Psalm 1. Your leaf will not wither nor dry. First he says, blessed are they that do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly nor sit in the seat of the sinner, or stand in the way of the mocker, right? But he that delights in the law of the Lord, he shall be like a tree, everybody say tree, planted next to streams of dead ends. 
you don't get that scripture. Because what it says there, when you do not do these things, I will purposely do this thing. And you know what it means there? Planted next to streams of living water, it means I will purposely plant you next to my overflow. Right? Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of dead ends, of negativity, of backbiting. Living waters. And the word in the original language means I have called you to be plump gushers. That's what it means. Out of your innermost being, you will gush plumply. That's what it means. I know it's funny, but that's what it means. Look it up. You'll gush plumply. How many of you gush plumply? <laughs> you should just be like this. <laughs> Pastor, I'm not feeling so. Whoa. Whoa, bartender, I'll have another one of those. (laughs) He emphasized with him. Let me say it one more time. Empathy comes from the Greek word, which means in and feeling. Everybody say in and feeling. He says, if you're in the feeling of another and unity forms around mutual care based on empathy. What do you think? Jesus and his dad's relationship is like mutual care and unity based on empathy. They share feelings. It's quiet in here. It's usually quiet during surgery. Number two, Jesus validated him. Validation means to enter into another person's reality. Validating it and treating it with respect builds connection. What destroys it? The exact opposite. Invalidation. Invalidation occurs when a person's experience is all that exists to him or her, and he or she then moves to negate the other person's experience, treating it as somehow not real and non-existent. We've got to validate people. Say validate. See, in my practice, what I learned is that was the first step that was kind of missing. And when God helped me put that in place and I started empathizing with them instead of being a hammer, right? There's a nail, there's a nail, there's a nail, there's a nail. I just got this new hammer right from Home Depot. It's a weighted hammer. <laughs> I'm going to strike that nail. No. No. God said, empathize, validate, and then here's the third thing he did. And this is the thing that we struggle with. So tonight, listen to me. Tonight is your opportunity to break codependency, to break rescuing, 
to break all those things that cause you externally to get your identity from external things instead of in Him we live and move and have our being. Amen? He released him. He didn't rescue him. How about in the Garden of Gethsemane? Something I said? (laughs) The Garden of Gethsemane. Father, take this cup from me. Dad had validated him. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? When he was tempted by the devil, listen to me. The devil said, if you are the son of God, how many believe that Jesus had secure identity? But if he didn't, what would have happened? What was that? Hey, bing, 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 jelly bean. He would have to prove it. See, so many of us have to prove that we're anointed or we're called to ministry or we're good parents or we're good sons and daughters. We're earning the right to be something that we already are. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, Take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Dad released him to go through what he needed to go through so that you and I could have secure identity in Christ. In this world, you're not going to have secure identity. But in Christ... You can be secure. Everybody say secure. Are you still with me? Jesus knew that Peter had to work out his salvation, had to work out his own salvation. So if that man, he had to go off and deny him, you know what I'm saying, three times, and he had to go off and go into a dark place, he wasn't going into that dark place by himself because Jesus had already prayed him through. The anointing was going to carry him through, right? Because Jesus' plan is not to reject, but to accept. So sometimes we feel like we're being rejected, but he's preparing us for a greater intimacy with him. So we'll never need what we needed before from others. He will be more than enough for us. How many say people can hurt you? Right? So, what's God doing? Proverbs 25, 2 says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. Say conceal. But the honor of a king to search it out. You've got to search some things out. You can't sit back. This is an autopilot. You can't punch it and go, automatic Christianity. 
Bless God, hallelujah. Thou righteous heavenly Father, thou art high and lifted up. Thy train fills the temple. No, this isn't autopilot Christianity. You've got to die to self. You've got to live for Christ. How many want to live for Christ? So you know the story. What, what happens? What's Peter do? He denies Christ three times, doesn't he? And at one time, he gets a little mouthy, doesn't he? I don't know that, blankety blank. Right? And then Jesus looks across at him, the crow, you know, the cock crows, and Jesus goes. At that moment, I'll bet Peter didn't feel like Jesus had his back. But there's never a moment that Jesus doesn't have your back. He looked at Peter, and he must have looked at him and said, Don't worry, Peter. You're going to be amazing. Because he can see things about you that you can't see. And that's what you need to remember. Jesus sees things about you that haven't yet happened. He looks at your life and he goes, you are going to be amazing. But right now, you don't have secure identity. But when you do, Oh, wow. I am going to be glorified and magnified through your life. And you are going to bear fruit that remains. How many want to do that? You can do better than that. Fruit that remains. Fruit that remains. Fruit that remains. People can gather nourishment from it. There's sustenance for others. Do you know that your life should produce sustenance for others? I had another thought in my mind and the Lord said, don't do it. Don't go there. You shoot your eye out. (laughs) You shoot your eye out, kid. (laughs) So, we're planted next to the overflow. And our leaf does not wither nor die. We are continually, everybody say continually, producing for the glory of God. That's what God's called us to do, to continually produce for the glory of God. How many want to do that? Can you see yourself? Continually producing for the glory of God. Satan goes, I'll sift him like wheat. God says, that's all right. It's just going to lead to more production for the kingdom. 
Say more production. See, that's what you need to understand. This sifting, it releases more production. And it brings a reduction in your need that is unhealthy. How many have unhealthy? She's laughing because she knows what I'm looking right at her. It's not, it's not personal. The Lord said, in the world, you'll have tribulation, trouble. <laughs> but be of good cheer. Have you ever thought about that scripture? What's he really saying there? In the world, you'll have tribulation. But you live in the world, you're not of the world, you're of me, so you're in me. And guess what I said? I said that I sit in the heavens and I laugh at the enemy's attempts to destroy my own. I literally laugh at them because I so got your back. I so got you covered. I have so prayed you through. I have so finished this thing that the enemy, even for him to attempt to think that he's going to finish you off, there's no way. There's no way. No way. There's Yahweh, but there's no way. And that doesn't, sound, that doesn't rhyme with your way either. It's Yahweh. So here's what he says. Luke 54 through 62, we just talked about it. He denies him, right? Here's what God's getting to. Proverbs 24.10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect or complete in weakness. Everybody say weakness. See, we're always trying to be strong. And God says, can I remind you of something? I ain't trying to be nothing. I am that I am. God isn't trying to be God. He's not trying to be the deliverer. He's not trying to be the creator. But we try to be strong. Why? Why be something that you're not? Why not be who God's called you to be? And when you're weak, be weak. And be strong in the Spirit. Man, I went around a long time. That didn't hurt me. But I could feel it just going... Because I didn't take the weapons of my warfare seriously. And one of the weapons of my warfare is that when I'm weak, God puts me in His strength. The weapons of our warfare are not what? What? 
They're not carnal. They're not of this world. But mighty through Christ to the... You know, and here's God. God's not doing this. You guys, we think pulling down, right? We're not doing this. Push him back. Push him back. Way back. Push him back. Push him back. Way back. No. No. God's strength. God's askewous. The power. February 2nd, 1982, I drowned on a river, stood before God. And God got my attention. And when I stood before him and he spoke to me, and I was doing a lot of things, but I didn't have any secure identity. So I got my identity from ministering to people. I got my identity from feeding people. I got my identity from taking care of people. And I stood before God and he said, how dare you think you're in charge of your own life? And he replayed my altar call and he said, right then and there, you gave up all rights to your life. Now I want to talk to you about his power. Because when God was speaking to me, I literally felt the bones in my body moving at the sound of his voice. And I thought, if he just, I, I, if he just raises his voice, <laughs> I'm going to be a paralytic. His voice is as the mighty, rushing, the many waters, right? How many ever heard of class five rapid? When do you start hearing it? Long before you get to it. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.